0: Hello there, and welcome to the Citizen ATX podcast. My name is Matt Gillum. I'm here today with Jonathan Spencer. Hello, Jonathan. Happy New Year, Matthew. Happy New Year. Yeah, we're in the Lord's year, 2023, and we have a, we actually we have our, an old friend with us, Lauren Ortiz. Hello, Lauren. Hello, everyone. And this this year we have a new friend. Hi, new friend. You, you won't you won't be able to hear him because he's not on a mic. That's but Stephen is uh, Stephen Vaughn has jumped in as our director of media, and so he's going to be a part of our little family here on the Citizen ATX podcast. And so we also, uh, upon Stephen coming on, we also made a discovery that our board has some fun sound effects. Uh, Stephen hit me with hit me with a little something right now.
1: <laughs> you picked that one. <laughs> Come on, man! That's
0: weak. I thought you were at least gonna do like applause or something like that. Uh, There we go. There we go. Build up that self-esteem. So, if all of a sudden you feel like you're listening to a live podcast, of course it's live, live studio audience. Anyway, we are glad to be joining you here in a new year. Uh, We hope that where wherever your journey has gone, that you are uh, in a good place. And as as we're moving into a new year, we wanted to kind of take a step back into Scripture and look at what uh, is probably one of the most, I guess I could say the most artistically rendered of uh, things that we see in the New Testament which is Jesus' parables. And so, um if you've never if you've never heard the term a parable, Jonathan, what are we talking about? What what the heck is a parable? So parables are they're stories. They're stories that
2: Jesus would tell his disciples and those who were listening. But ultimately, you know, a, a standard definition a lot of people have always explained it as, is it's a story with a hidden meaning. So there's a story that, that Jesus would tell his disciples and followers, but the story didn't always really make sense immediately because it was just this great, you know, picture of just kind of this. Uh, situation that no one really understood. But then underneath it all, there was just this profound meaning behind it. So you have to unlock it. and It's meant for the believers to ultimately find that truth that God's trying to communicate through it.
0: Yeah. And it, it's primarily in like a narrative storytelling kind of format. And so, I mean, you can imagine Jesus in the time time frame sitting and talking about situations that the people would normally find themselves in. Like there, there were people who were fishermen, who were farmers, who were house people. I mean, like uh, and so he, he takes these kind of everyday things for them, tells a story, and has a hidden spiritual truth to it. Um, one of the reasons we want on this podcast to cover this, though, is because it's highly unlikely if you're listening to the Citizen ATX podcast right now that you are a farmer, right, or a, fi- hey, or a. <laughs> how about the Aggies, guys? How about Aggies? The Aggies? We got Woo!
2: some Aggies that listen to
0: this. Far- Farmers fight. Matt. Aggies don't know how to read. Come on, oh, man. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> How dare you! <laughs> discriminatory, That's just true. mean-spirited. Yeah, but uh, we, but with that, you know, the question is when we look at the scripture, we know we know that there should we're supposed to be able to pull spiritual truth from it. We're supposed to understand these depths of what Jesus is trying to say. But if we're looking at these older pictures, I, what we want to do is bring them into a contemporary context, right? Um, and me being the weirdo that I am, I like to be able to try to find stories that I understand in stories that may be less less uh understandable uh when we when we come into a church context. And so today what we're gonna do as we start our Parables Reimagined series, we're going to look at what's probably the most popular parable, the parable of the lost son. And so Lauren is going to the way that we're gonna do this, I have Lauren read portions of the of the story. And then we're gonna Jonathan and I and Lauren and Stephen off microphone. <laughs> Steven's Steven's just yelling. You just can't hear him right now. He's just so angry. Um but we're we're going to look at that and try to tell this, retell the story in a way that might make sense in 2023. Um, so, Jonathan, anything before we start?
1: No,
2: let her rip.
0: Let her rip. Okay, go ahead, Lauren.
1: All right. We're going to start in Luke 15, verse 11, where it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them.
0: All right, so you got a lot packed here in these first two verses, right? I mean, what are we looking at here, Jonathan, for kind of the the context of of the deal? Well, you're
2: seeing some family feud that seems to be stirring up there, at least. I mean, you see, obviously, there's a dad and there's these two sons, and the sons, one son's getting a little antsy. They're looking towards a future inheritance, so mm-hmm. it seems that this father has some assets. He has some money, uh, but it also looks like one of the sons, being a younger one, that's he's got a desire to cash out early, is what mm-hmm. it's looking like.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's interesting too. You look at it um, whenever it comes to the idea of inheritance, and some of you listening, maybe small business owners here, um, a lot of, when we talk about inheritance, it's it's kind of a weird concept, right? Because it's, it it winds up being the total value of a person's worth. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, you got a farmer. If, if someone's a farmer, again, if you're a farmer on here and you know better than me, good, good for you. But <laughs> uh, generally, your net worth is not just liquid capital. It's not like you go to your bank account and you say, well, I've got $5,000, <laughs> so you get this specific portion of it part of it's going to be in the cows that you own and in the house that you own. And in the case of a lot of farmers, a lot of times you have to pay for seed. You have a lot of them go into debt to be able to produce a crop. Mm -hmm. So the question that's being asked here by the son is not just, I mean, number one, from his point of view, it's like, oh, just give me what I want. Yeah. But for, but for the father to carry this out, there's a, there's a couple things in this. First of all, it's, it's Probable that he would have had to sell his own property right. in order to make it. So, like in a, in a in a more modern context, I like to look at the father kind of like a, an entrepreneur for a tech company. He's built this up from the ground. He's got he's his got this, he's got his sons working for him. The older one's like a coder, right? Because <laughs> uh, working hard and working too hard in a windowless room. Sorry, coders. <laughs> I, we, we know you do that. Um, but then the other one being more of your like social media guy, right? Your your Insta kid, or influencer, influencer. Oh, ah, that's yeah, that's good. right. That sounds like a younger brother. I can, <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> sounds like a younger <laughs> yeah. brother. Or a YouTuber, you <laughs> yeah. know? A YouTuber, yep. TikToker. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> We we know we know about the apps, <laughs> but I mean, you think about this. If, if you put it into that kind of context, say say this son goes to his dad and says, "Hey, I'm, I think I can make it on my own. I have my little channel and I've got three thousand followers. And uh, dad, I want you to give me the money as if you were di- if you died tomorrow. I want what I'm owed." Mm-hmm. Well, the dad, as an entrepreneur, has a per- a large percentage of his worth buried in the shares of his company that he created. So therefore, in order to pay his son what he's demanding. There's two things in this. First of all, it's as if his dad's dead. Yeah. So he's saying, you know what, you you were, are worth more to me dead than alive, mm-hmm. dad. So number one, just think about that, of kind of yeah. how that must have felt. But then secondly, the father would have to go sacrifice in order to make this happen. He would have to sell off shares of the company that he created in order to give the son what he's asking for. And not just that, but that older brother, the coder as another person who's vested in the company he is giving away part of his mm-hmm. net worth because they are, they're all own the same company so th- when you read this you need to see we need to see the kind of slap in the face that yeah. this is uh, from the very beginning. And
2: I think it's important to put into that context. Not only is he saying, I wish you were dead, but he's also saying I'm done with you. Like yeah. you're not dead and I'm done. Because if you think about that in the modern context, if, if it's that situation where a guys got to sell his business and the older brother, everything's mm. literally going to be changed in their lives to accommodate mm. a self-absorbed kid. Mm. That kid is basically saying, I'm not going to come back. And truthfully, they wouldn't want him back in no. that context. I've And you can even think about it in, in modern day, context, I can think of family businesses, for instance, where mm. it's not that far off from it, in a sense, mm. where there's been feuds internally in family businesses where where somebody has to sell off inconvenience, do mm. stuff, really sacrifice to get one part of the family member out of the business. Yeah. And then I've seen it where then those two sides have friction going yeah. forward. So it just happens.
0: And it can ruin the livelihood of the whole family yeah. at that point. Because yeah. when, when you sell off a, a third, so like in this case, going we're talking about modern context, but ancient context, um, the firstborn would be, uh, able to get a double inheritance. Mm-hmm. But then that basically what this means is about a third of the company would have yep. to be sold off yep. in order to, to, uh, to take care of that. It, it, and anybody who owns a business knows that if you give away a third of your capital, like that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good year. Um, and so, it, I mean, it is, it is a just very damaging thing at this, this, guy is saying that he wants to do.
1: To be honest, like every time I've read this, cause I've read this so many times yeah. because I identify with the prodigal son. I'm sure mm-hmm. that we all do at some points in our life. And, mm-hmm. and in currently for some people, and I have always breezed through the first two in it, like the yeah. first two verses, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is oh my gosh, like yeah. it just sets it up in a whole new way. It's so, a huge
2: ask. Yeah. People don't realize it was bad. It yeah. was a bad, bad, bad request. Well, and
0: you think about the people who would be originally listening to this parable too, the point is they would be shocked at this. Mm-hmm. because, and, and if you're a as you're hearing about this, we're asking you to put yourself in the place of the people listening to this originally mm-hmm. that you've just heard that a kid went to his father, and if you if you're listening to this and you have a kid, imagine your kid that you raised, you built up this company to get because you want to leave a legacy for him, you pour your passion into it, and then when he's when he's old enough to to do something for himself, he says, "I don't need you, I don't want you, and you're worth i i your I love your money more than I love you." Yeah. Cool. (laughs)
1: That's
0: brutal. I can imagine there'd be some some anger. So we've kind of got the the context set up here. Lauren, let's go ahead and hit hit 13 to 16.
1: Perfect. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself, himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything
0: all right so homie takes the money he goes he goes off to another country and so i mean i think a lot of times when i when i read this it, my initial thing is oh he just goes and he just starts wasting money I mean, I think there's probably an aspect of this where he thinks I'm going to go make it on my own, and then puts him in a different puts himself in a different context where he has no idea what it means to make money or what it, what yeah. it costs to live, right? Yeah. I mean, what what do you think about that? Well, and there's
2: reckless living, so it's yeah. it's unwise spending, obviously, yeah. that he's doing, which I know we'll get into some of that in the most likely things, but but it just shows that that it's 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 a um, it's a counter opposite of the father had so thoughtfully built up a business mm-hmm. and had all this estate. And then the son took it, and then he just squandered it quickly on really selfish living, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, and then he's left with nothing until he's in a desperate situation.
0: I like to think about it that he invested real deep in crypto, <laughs>
2: because <laughs> yeah. you know, quick quick buck. Yeah. He's, his
0: all his friends are doing it, and yeah. then he, so then cool. he. So then he sees a little bit of early return. Says, "Well, now <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go buy a PS5. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start living the lifestyle because if the dude is an influencer, you got to keep up appearances because that's the whole business of the basis the business basis of the business that he built up, and the reality being that he wound he finds himself in a crowd that is moving really really fast." And he's but he has tried to buy his way in quickly to it, yep. um, and I don't. I think that that may not be far from a lot of our listeners of the kind of pressures that they face. You know, you you watch these people on Instagram, you see the, the these influencers that are mm-hmm. out there, and think, man, why can't I have that kind of lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is to look up online and the the uh, third party pictures of influencers about what they have to do to make those stupid pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, mm-hmm. but I mean, you even think about it this way because. Uh, it, it, Oftentimes, we we were calling this the parable of the lost son, but usually it's called the uh, parable of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. The insinuation here is that the dude got very sexually promiscuous in what he was doing. And so in this context, it would have been prostitution um, that... Yeah. put
2: it in modern context it said he went off into a far country it's like you get your inheritance from your daddy that has the tech company then you mm-hmm. go to vegas mm-hmm. and you just buy everything you can and mm-hmm. you just go as hard as you can on mm-hmm. living at all forms of reckless and, recklessness and debauchery prostitutes gambling drinking drugs you can just kind of picture the stereotype mm-hmm. and then the guy in modern context just wakes up and he realizes he's kicked out of the hotel he's done yeah. he has nothing left and
0: he's and all those people he sl- out of he, all those girls he swiped left on are now uh yeah, they're they're, they're, all, uh, they're all gone. they ain't hanging out there with any uh, gold diggers, right? Yeah, they're, yeah they're not around. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean it, it, and it's interesting too, I think, you know, in the context of this. The guy clearly didn't go out expecting, "Hey, I'm going to go ruin my life," right? right? Isn't that the way this often happens though when you get when you get into this kind of a cycle of this this high-speed lifestyle where you're mm-hmm. constantly spending and trying to keep up appearances eventually it catches up with you and i mean in in this case because he had not earned anything for himself to that point you think about the kind of context that it put him in like when he ran out of money he didn't have a resume right. to build up it was his it was everything his dad did yeah and so it's no surprise that he finds himself unemployable in a in a strange town at the at the end of this this Cycle of spending, right? Well, and he makes me
2: think of uh, in James chapter 1, verse 14, James James tells us, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah. And so James gives that picture of just how it ultimately starts with temptation, and when temptation's not checked, it gets lured by our own flesh, our desire. And and to me, when I think of that story, both on the parable reimagined of our side, and obviously the text that Jesus gave us, he had a desire that went unchecked, and then that desire brought forth sin. He sinned against his father. And then that sin continued to grow. It can see it. Then it became fully grown and brought forth death to where now he's just stuck there in the pigs mm-hmm. or in the modern day context. I don't know where you'd be stuck see, in Las Vegas. And maybe and if you just squandered everything, Well, and I, was, I, I, I was
0: struggling on this because partly I, you don't want to insult anybody's actual <laughs> occupation, but I mean, honestly, it's kind of like a garbage collector to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I, and to the extent that he's looking at the stuff in the pig sty and saying, man, I want to eat that. It would yeah. be like a guy who was a garbage collector who was looking at the trash and saying, yeah. man, I wish I could eat that. And, yeah. and and, And yet, even then, he couldn't because... Can't eat trash, and so, I mean, it's a it's a horrible place to be in, and and there there is a certain level of desperation that we're that Jesus wants us to feel in this, and the people listening to it would say this this kid, and I think the people listening to it would be saying, yeah, that kid got exactly what he deserved, (laughs) that freaking jerk, how how dare he go and tell his dad who worked worked night and day to provide for him, and then he goes and wastes it on stuff, good for him, yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's the right way to go, so.
1: I think of this morning I was reading Matthew 6, and the verse that really stuck out to me, I've heard it a million times, but it stuck out to me in a very different way, is um, where he talks about, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Mm -hmm. And we see evidence of where his heart's actually at when he asks his father for a selfish thing, and then goes and spends it on selfish things for him, essentially just to to feel good, to glorify himself, to find fun and freedom and all these things that he probably thought would be life-giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very interesting to kind of see that that will position him for a need later on. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to take away from anyone's thunder or anything mm-hmm. like that, but those who know <laughs> the story know that that probably created um, an emptiness and a void in him that oh, yeah. had him turn back.
0: Well, and it's, it's that, what's the proverb for that? Uh, show me your bank account and I'll show you what you care about. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's why I said it, because we've yeah. been
1: talking finances lately yeah. and yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, okay, I need to check this. like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so, I mean, I, 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 we, we see clearly where this guy's heart is, and, you know, remember too, when we read these parables, a lot of times I think we read into it of, well, Jesus is speaking to the characters in the parables. He's not. He's speaking to the people who are listening yeah. to this, and so in this, I, I would say at this point we're in kind of gloat cycle and victory cycle for the people. They're like, okay, well, that's the end of a good story. It's that if you diso- if you dishonor your father, then you're going <laughs> to be eaten after pigs, and yeah. so, Okay, well, where do we go go from here then, Lauren? Because we're kind of at rock bottom. Um, So hit uh, hit us with 17 through 19.
1: Well, the good thing about rock bottom is there's nowhere to look but up, so we're going to start at (laughs) 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants.
0: All right. So he's really in homie. Our buddy boy is now, I, I don't know. I, I keep making up. I need to have a name for this guy. I, I, I'll think of it later. Um, but he makes a decision in his mind. Okay, this is not going to work. I'm going to die out here. Um, but then when he really kind of comes to his senses, he's like, you know what, I can honestly go back to my dad's company, and maybe he'll hire me as a custodian, mm-hmm. right? I'm not asking to buy back into the business. But if I can have just a if they'll, if, with with me being unemployable, if he would just let me in the door, then maybe I can scrape by, um, a living. Um, And, I mean, I think it's important for us to recognize that. He's not asking for reentry into the household. He's just – he he is at a point where he says, I have to do something to survive.
2: Well, and I think you also – it it shows exactly that, how how desperate he is. Because if you think about the emotional damage that Mm -hmm. he's inflicted on his father, and he knows it. I mean, go back to the modern context. If you're thinking about a guy that just took all of his dad's business, he had to sell it, and he no longer has a business, and he no longer has all this. And and he's just troubled the entire family. For him to have to go back and face them – That's such, I mean, you would think the guy has to have all kinds of fear and trembling, even though he's going to go humbly saying, hey, can I be your janitor? To that same point, he knows these people hate me right now. Like, they hate me. Like, he's got to get himself over that emotional hurdle of, I'm so desperate, I have to risk being... Just shamed by my own family. Because yeah. I'm really that's my only option is to come crawling back.
1: Yeah. But at least I I see it as like he must have known the character of his father though. Like he must have known that like his dad was going to be accepting or might be accepting. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to draw conclusions from it, but I just like I look at it and I and I think like he must have he must have known that his Oh. Like that he he was kind or that he was caring and loving or and sacrificial like he must have known that right he
0: may have known that but I don't I honestly don't think so because it what the, his his method of getting back in was shame like humiliating yeah. himself yeah self humiliation okay. and exactly. I mean and, you know sometimes what we see happen is that in, in when you have someone who's all their thoughts and their obsessions are on money and on gaining it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they see that in other people too, and so I, my, my what I'd be willing to bet is that he looked at he looked at his dad and said, "This is a guy who's a titanium industry yeah. type person." Um, he, I have to give a compelling argument for him to take me back, and and even then, in a in a role that's just not even connected to him well, at all. And
2: notice he 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 knows that. He's not going to get accepted because he says, I can't be your son anymore. Like yeah. he already knows like, man, he can't, he won't be my dad. He's like, yeah. my only hope right now is that he might let me be a slave, but I'm that desperate that maybe he'll let me come in and work for him. Just so I can eat. So it, it, it's it's a pretty desperate situation. He's willing to overcome all the anxiety and the fear and and probably the danger also of showing up on yeah. the footstep of your father and well, older brother who could, could have they have could kill arrest, him or yeah. have him arrested. Right? Yeah, they could do whatever they wanted really. Yeah. And many times the insult that the insult that he brought against his father in those ancient times. I mean, that was so so horrendous. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fear that must be going through him. Yeah,
0: and I think that the listeners at this point will be like, how dare he do that? Like, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, it's like you you spent you you cashed in your chips, then this is yep. what happened. So, let's see let's see what the uh, father's response is. Uh, that will hit that will get us uh 20 to 24.
1: Okay.
0: All right. So, Jonathan, you want to take the start on this one, kind of describing the context sure. here? Sure.
2: So, he, he comes back, you're seeing in the parable, and the father's there. And you can see that the father sees him. He sees him from a long way off. So, he makes eye contact. And in that moment, it said the father had compassion. As soon as he saw him, it wasn't anger, so it's important to notice the first emotive response was compassion, seeing his crazy child who's coming back, which he knows. He knows. Not, he knows immediately that ain't good. If he's back, that means something's gone awry.
0: Well, and I'll say this too, because clear, later in the story we find out that the older brother knows what was going mm. on. I mean, I kind of compare this in a modern context to, so like, that the father was following him on yeah. social media, was yeah, yeah, it was watching these things that was happening, that's a way to put it. and then all of a sudden, all, well, not all of a sudden, after a, a long span of watching him make terrible decisions not maybe not blocking him but watching it because you care and praying for him and loving him what and then all of a sudden he disappears off Mm -hmm. of social media so i mean we clearly also the father assumed he was dead and so whatever communication he was getting from him is now gone and so i can imagine this this father watching this happen and and just You know, let it. Letting the son do what he's going to do, and it's kind of kind of a crazy, crazy deal.
2: Yeah, and it's and it's crazy to think that's the first response as he runs and he kisses him and he hugs him because to that same point, I mean, we've all some of us have had this happen in our family where we've had those prodigal kids that have run Mm -hmm. and gone the wrong way. I've known. A lot of families that have spent a lot of money on their kids, tons of money, whether it be private Christian school, college, whether it be helping them with houses, helping them with whatever, just doing everything they can to financially set them up to succeed, tried to surround them with the right people, and then their kids just went buck wild and Mm -hmm. went completely the wrong direction, squandered everything they had. And I've watched some parents to be candid that go through that, and honestly, understandably so, from my flesh, they get upset and bitter, like they're they're angry, they're angry, and they're bitter and and because they have they invested their heart, their money, their resources, mm-hmm. and to watch a child humiliate them, you know dishonor them with all that they've had. That, that is such a deep hurt in the heart of a parent that I've seen it many times. Uh, and it and it's you could expect in the world that would be natural. That is a normal emotional response. But then you see a different response from this father because you don't see a hint of that. He doesn't come out mm. there ready to yell at him and rebuke him or correct him. It says he just hugs him, and then he takes it a step further. He celebrates him. He celebrates his return.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it even says, you know, he the father saw him and ran to him, which, yep. you know, old contexts here... Uh, uh, father, uh, the paterfamilias of a family, <laughs> a patriarch of a family doesn't do that. So I can imagine the dad running out in his pajamas in the street to yeah. greet his son who's coming. If if he's been in a dirty, horrible job, he's not going to be coming in his, his best clothes. He's not going to smell good. <laughs> he might smell like some of the drugs that he had been taking. I mean, yeah. like... You you think if you've ever seen somebody who's dealt with meth addiction and stuff like that, it's not pretty. It's, I mean, we we don't need to to whitewash this of, of of this guy coming back from the goodness of his heart. He he's coming from desperation, and you have this father who is already going above and beyond of leaving his leaving his honor behind to go and get his son. And embrace him. Um, and I think it's interesting, too, whenever—because the, the son tries to go through this this program speech, right? He gets through the first two lines of it, and the dad just says, shut up. <laughs> it's like, and he starts, like, doing all this for him. Uh, and I think, again, I like, I like adding the the current story stuff, but, like, bring out the Armani, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: if you want to hear a modern day, this will go deviate from the tech uh, parallel we've given to that. But I I remember when Billy Graham died, however many years ago, a few years ago, he had a huge nationally broadcasted funeral and I watched it and he had all of his kids come up. They all came up and paid tribute. And lots of people know Ann Graham is it lots or loads. I forget how you say it, of lots, lots. but she's phenomenal. She's, she is Billy Graham, what you would expect in a daughter, preacher, Mm -hmm. godly, you know, incredible teacher, communicator, evangelist. But then there's another daughter, and I'm forgetting her first name, but she had a completely different story where she went the wrong road, and she talked, went up there and got on the microphone and gave her testimony of how she married a guy she shouldn't have married. Um, Basically, Billy and her her mom told them, don't do it, bad idea. She did what she wanted, got in an abusive relationship, all kinds of just terrible stuff, and she's telling the story of how the guy left her a few weeks, whatever it was in the marriage, and then she drove home with shame to her dad's house, Mm And she gave that picture that when she showed up, Billy was in the driveway, and she was just just terrified. she said, "You never want to disappoint your daddy ever, but especially if your daddy's name's Billy Graham, yeah. and she said her it was the same picture though what she communicated was Billy came up to her and just put his arm around her and just said, "Welcome home." And there was no judgment, none of that, and just the love of Christ. but what, what you're seeing is that same depiction here in the the story is it's just this humble, humble father that says." we're going to move past from all this and just celebrate the fact that you're home and welcome you home. But as we're going to see in the passage, not everybody's happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody's going to be happy.
0: And where we really, I think have to land on in this is this is what grace is, right? Mm-hmm. Our expectation is so often I'm going to build, I got, I got to do a lot of good things, build up a lot of honor so that I could be accepted back in. And even, I honestly think the son in this case thinks that's what's going to, maybe what's going to happen is to get, give him an opportunity to build himself back up and all that. But the, I mean, the reality is the the, the dad, the dad's love goes beyond what mm-hmm. was done to him. Right. Because remember, this was, this was not done to general. This was done to the father himself. This was an offense against him and the, that, that, his grace reached out and did for the son what the son couldn't do for himself. And, 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 and so, I mean, I think in that we have to, we have to see that desperate, the desperation of what grace is, um, that, you know, we return to to God with with our best, which is dirty rags and mm-hmm. failed stories and broken relationships, and He loves us mm-hmm. and gave His life for us uh, gave, yep. uh, in Christ. Um, and so, uh, you know, going back, kind of, and I think it's it's telling that they're in verse twenty four and they began to celebrate. They had yeah. a they had a party, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I just don't. I don't think that most of us in that same situation would be immediately going into a party mode. You know, I mean, may, maybe maybe letting them come back in, saying, "Hey, I'm glad you're home." I mean, this guy just throws the doors open, starts and and starts doing it again, giving again, mm-hmm. uh, giving him his best ring, his, be, his best robe. I mean, like all this stuff,
2: and that's what makes the story so controversial yeah. when people hear oh, it yeah. because it's. It's antithetical to religion. It's right. antithetical to just normal uh, just interactions of the way we treat one another in the world. Well, there's always an expectation of you doing something to earn the favor and love mm. of someone else, that yeah. you have to earn it, whether it be in your work, your family, your place, uh, or to a God in religion. There's always been that understanding that you've got to do something to get yourself back through that door and to earn your place. And on this there was nothing he just he just got received uh and there was no you have to do x y and z first it was just simply received and then there'll be the rebuilding of the young man's life, which yeah. you don't really get to see the full picture. We'll close out the passage, but that is the gospel in a nutshell. Is you just come, and that's yeah. why it's so offensive to so many people because
0: there's no other strings. The gra- grace is a starting point, it's, yeah. and it's not an end point,
2: exactly. And
0: uh, in our lives with Christ, that's the way that it is. You're not gonna, you don't earn your way to, to starting a relationship with mm-hmm. Him. You start a relationship with Him, and then He ba- then He bears you up through the rest of your life. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I think it's the, one of the reasons why this is one of the most told parables is because it's such a clear picture of the the irrationality of grace mm-hmm. and the the countercultural nature of it. And so, uh, before we go on to the next part, I mean, Lauren, anything from that that you kind of have on your mind about? Just this story, what, how that makes you feel?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, for some reason the word "clothed" stuck out to me. Um, mm-hmm. Where, he, where he basically told him, you know, bring out the best robe, mm-hmm. and he clothed his son with it. I mean, his son was obviously. Wearing his shame, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it, and it makes me think back to the to the Garden of Eden in Genesis mm-hmm. three, where Adam and Eve were sh- uh, in shame, and they were trying yeah. to cover themselves up, and God made the sacrifice and, mm-hmm. and clothed them as well. Mm-hmm. And I know there's uh, Jonathan, y'all can y'all can probably both say it, but isn't there a verse that talks about like we're clothed in the robes of righteousness or something like that yeah. that we as Christians and I can't remember exactly. Well, there's where lots it is, of different but, metaphors yeah. to
2: it all throughout Scripture. Yeah. There's there's I think we've even talked about it, the story of the wedding feast of receiving those garments Mm -hmm. and and being clothed. Uh, But but there's that picture all throughout Scripture that ultimately we are clothed with his righteousness. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 doesn't use that verbiage, but it says, For our sake he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So there's Mm -hmm. that exchange where the righteousness is accredited to us, Mm -hmm. not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And you're getting a picture Mm -hmm. of that to that exact point, that he's taking off his shame, removing it, and not only is he just giving him clothes, but he's giving him royal clothes. He's giving him, he's, he's being brought back in with the best and they're about to have a celebration as if... Yarmani the,
0: Arma- uh, th- the, the Yeezys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that is
2: the picture. That it's not even that God removes your shame, but he gives you something great in return. It's like it's the rebuilding to that point of now you're in the family and you actually have the best of the fathers given to you. You have what he has is now given to you. Which is
0: ironic because those were the kind of things that he wanted when, yeah. he, when he left and tried to get it for, for himself. I mean, that's a great yeah. word. And Ultimately, it yeah. was only found in the love of the Father, yeah. and mm. I mean that—that that, I think speaks something to us about yeah. you, know, what, what, you. We can't ever earn it. We can't. We, there are these things that we want. But ultimately, we have to rely on, reliance mm-hmm. on, on him. Yeah.
1: Can't and, earn or buy.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, I would imagine that the audience at this point is probably kind of okay with this, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there would still be some grumbling of the people that are listening. Of, yeah. That's spoil, Brad. I can't believe he got back <laughs> in father. and all that. And yeah. It's like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, weak father. Um, and so, okay, well, this is not... Uh, Thankfully, this is not the end of the not thankfully, but it's the not the end of the story. Not thankfully for the people listening. So, uh, Lauren, go ahead and read. Uh, let's see what verses is that? Twenty-five to
1: thirty-two.
0: Yeah, yeah, twenty-five to
1: 32. Okay. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, "Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound." But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found."
0: All right, so we get the we now get to pull in the older brother who's been kind of in the background of this whole story to this point, and so um, this is part of why I like the idea of of the dad being a tech person mm-hmm. because I can imagine the older brother literally being in his room or wor- or office or whatever, mm-hmm. literally writing out code mm-hmm. and then hearing a big commotion outside mm-hmm. and then checking his phone calendar and there's nothing on it. <laughs> so I mean, like in this, in this context, you, you see this, he finds out what's going on and what is his response? He, he's ticked off. Yeah. He, he's mad. I can imagine him getting in the car and putting on some Metallica and, or, uh, mm-hmm. some, uh, system of a down and just driving down the road and rocking and like blowing out the speakers a little bit. I mean, he, he, The funny thing is, in response to the grace that he sees his father show to his brother, he he does the same sort of the same thing that the that the younger son did, and takes off. Um, And so, right, so from there, we we've got him taken off. And what what happens from there, Jonathan?
2: Well, I think with I think one, it's important to note also just in the context here, Jesus is speaking. The focus of the story is the older brother. Just Mm -hmm. to kind of reiterate that, if you think about the original audience, we always resonate. As a bunch of just Gentile sinful people, ultimately, we, we resonate oftentimes with the prodigal, and, and that is a great part of the story, but really the prodigal and the, the, the bigger enemy is the older brother, the older son, and he's the one that was the whole purpose of why Jesus is telling this story. Mm-hmm. Because the older son has a disdain towards a sinner. He sees a kid who messed up, did everything wrong, didn't follow the law, and then just came back and was honest about it. And then he got all the grace and all the mercy, and he doesn't like it because he's been busting his tail trying to do all these things. But I think what's really critical in the whole interaction he has with the father is he whines to the father saying, you never gave me X, Y, and Z. He says, you never gave me a goat. You never let me celebrate. And the father just looked back at him. He said, all that I have is already yours. Like you have everything you already have it. Um, And I think that's just such a, uh, a, an important distinction there that, the kid is trying to earn something that he already has. Like he's already a son of the he, father. He
0: was doing the same thing. He was trying yeah. to get it for himself. Yeah. And, and, and it was just in a different context and yep. in his context, it doesn't, he doesn't show love to his father through this. No. And I, mean, I can imagine him because remember he was part of the, part of the hurt in this, that part of his inheritance got taken away because of future earning capital. Um, and then the fact that, you know, if we're taking this into the modern context, um, you know, it, Number one, this is this is in public. This is not something that's done behind closed doors. Wow. And so, this tirade that the older brother has is questionably equally as shaming to the father as the younger son coming back. Yeah. On, on top of that, he then uh, reminds him of all the years of service they went slaving for him, the business school that he went to, <laughs> the rebuilding of a company that was almost ruined, and he and he calls he calls him weak, and he yeah. and he says, "You gave this over to a guy who literally wasted your money on prostitutes," and and he's like and his value and his worth is seen that i'm better than him and yet you treated him with more dignity than you treated me yeah um and that and so in that whole context where is the love for his father like right. there is no yeah. love for his father he sees his father just as much as a money bags as his brother does but he but he was too chicken to take off with the money right so well
2: and he wanted ultimately he wants the glory. That, that That's kind of the point, yeah. and I think, of it, is that he was doing all this good stuff not to honor his father. It had nothing to do with the father. He's doing those things ultimately to honor himself and to build up his own self-worth, to build up his own future, his inheritance, and really to make himself great. But it doesn't seem that it's about the love and honor of his father on earth because there's so much self-absorption in his in his response. And I guess I think of it also just in the realm of religion. I think it's just an important, you know, application for us. Sometimes people do a lot of good stuff all the time. You know, there's moral people that try to do moral things. But why do you try to act right? That's always a good question, I think, for somebody to ask just in general. What's the purpose of your morality? What's the motivation? Yeah, what's the motivation? Because there's a lot of people that, that do it. But, but really, it also brings up this sense of... Um, false virtue where you're doing all these things because if you're just trying to build up your own name, your own worth, and it's not about honoring God. God's not actually even in the equation at all. It's yeah. just about building up your own persona of who you are. And then we pretend that the father's actually honored by that when in reality it is just idolatrous in a different form.
0: It's yeah. it's the exact same problem and he sees through it all. We're using, him, we're using him to elevate ourselves. Yeah. And the funny thing in this too is the father levels the playing field. He goes and seeks out the son that Mm -hmm. the the older son, just like he went out and sought the younger son and invited him into the party. And he says, look, I mean you're I'm not holding up any kind of a different barrier between the two of you. It's like, but the funny the crazy thing is, this older son is choosing to do this. He is choosing, even though he's had every benefit of the relationship with the father to reject the grace that he's being given. And the people who would be listening to this would be looking at Jesus and say, and and this is basically what he's saying. Jesus is saying to him is like, you think that you've got it together because you follow the law and you and you uh, think that you're better off than these Gentiles, these other and these other these other Jews who do wrong things, but you're no different. You're just as in need and desperate for God's grace as the other brother that you despise.
2: And to put it into a modern day context, it'd be like. Father speaking to a religious person that goes to church every single week. Yeah. He's always there in the pew. He knows the songs. He sings them. He probably even gives his 10% and above. And he goes, he might teach Sunday school. He might do all the squeaky clean things and not cuss or watch R rated movies. But he's doing it all to build up his own namesake, who he is, to make himself appear as good and righteous and better than everyone else. And he's not doing it ultimately out of humble submission and worship to the Lord, that he's not trying to honor his father. He's just trying to look better than everybody else, and mm-hmm. in doing so, make him feel better about who he is yeah. so he can look at other people and know that they're worse, because um, we all want to be better than somebody. And yeah. religion opens up a door to that, makes it really easy, because yep. if you want to start setting all these bars, you can start feeling really good about yourself when you reach
0: them. Well, and you really see his real heart, because he wishes his brother was dead. Yeah. He he was happy exactly. he was happy with him gone because he he had all that da- all a dad to himself, well, all of his dad's company. Well, can I apply
2: that in the church again? Yeah. It's the same thing when you get the religious guy I was just talking about, and then you see the lost, beat up, broken, horribly distressed person come in the church and nobody wants to see him. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. And that, that happens in so many churches all around the country yeah. where you have the guy come in that is broken, the guy that is the addict, the guy that doesn't know all the verbiage, who doesn't understand everything. But he might stumble through the doors in desperate need of love and just someone to listen to him and receive him. And so many older brothers are filled in American evangelical churches. They look at them, and because they don't look the part, they haven't done what they've done for the kingdom of God, forget them.
0: And we don't know him. Yeah, we don't know him. Yeah, that's we a, don't know that's him. a lot of times things I hear in a church. Even, if, yeah. even when it's good people that come into a church, yeah. there's this distrust, well, we don't know who this person is. Yeah. It's like they're, they're in the exact same spot that you are. You were 20 <laughs> years ago when you first came to the church. It's like yeah. you are, I think one of the very important things of the story to recognize is we are no different from those, like in, before Christ, we're all the same. We're all yeah. sinners in need of a, need of uh, saving grace, um, and so I mean, this is, don't yeah. miss this. And part of the reason why we're contemporizing this, this story speaks to every believer yeah. that's out mm-hmm. there of where is your heart. Yeah. If your heart's gonna, if you if you say you want your heart to look like the Father, you got you need to act like the Father, and don't try to build up your own kingdom and act like He's been unjust in allowing others to come to Him. Yeah. So.
1: Y'all, y'all hit the nail on the head. I was gonna say he's <laughs> self righteous, and then I was gonna make a parallel to like people inside the church yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I've been in I've been in that situation, and then I've forgotten where I once was. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. So I mean, well, I said it, it
2: the other weekend. Uh, I don't remember what the sermon was, but I talked about oh, it was Romans eight one. I was talking mm-hmm. about condemnation. Mm-hmm. how there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and I, I was pointing out because God just put that on my heart. That as Christians, we're really good at giving grace to someone who's completely lost. That's like completely outside, doesn't know anything. We will preach grace. But then if someone knows the father, if they've been received and then they fall short, mm-hmm. we don't want to give them a drop of it. Yeah. That, that's how we live our lives. Most our lives. Instead, we judge. We judge those and I think uh, un, unfairly.
0: And I think it's because it makes us feel better about ourselves. It does. And there will be another parable that we may talk about in the course of the series where we see that exact same thing happen. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, as, as we kind of get toward the end, I mean, this, this is where Jesus ends the story. And, um, you know, whether it's a happy ending or a bad ending, we don't know. Actually, Jesus doesn't tell us what the brother's response is, but he does that on purpose, I think, mm-hmm. because the people who are listening, that is where the challenge is. What's your response to this? And, listener, I, I hope that you hear this too, that, you know, when it comes to the idea of grace in the church and in your relationship with Christ, you've got to answer. I mean, it, it's up to you. To determine, are you going to accept this God who goes out beyond borders to reach out to those who are desperate and in need? Do you recognize that you are one of those that is desperate and in need? Um, and so, I hope that that challenges you today as we're as we've reimagined this parable. And so, Jonathan, Lauren, before we close off this this story time, as yeah. <laughs> an ATX, anything else before we two go?
2: takeaways in summary? I'll, I've always used from this passage are two points. One, you you can't do anything to make God love you less. But then secondly, you can't do anything to make God love you more. If I were going to summarize it, so you can't do anything to make God love you less. If you're in Christ, your love was not predicated upon your own righteousness. It was the righteousness given to you by the Father through the Son. So there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. But on the other side, when you've received that sonship, You can't do anything to make God love you more. Your love was never based on your works to begin with. And so then you have to reconsider your motivation of why are you pursuing what you're doing, the morality and the good things? Are you doing it to put a smile on God's face? Are you doing it to put a smile on your own face? And that really is what it comes down to because there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. That love's already been freely given. So you live for him. In light of what you've received, you don't live for him to receive something else. So that—that's the story in a nutshell, and it's a—and it's a powerful story. And I hope it resonates with you on at least one of those two parts.
0: All right. Well, hey, friends, thank you for taking the time today to join us for Citizen ATX. We're going to continue this Parables Reimagined series next week, but we hope you'll join us and that you'll continue to look at these stories that Jesus told, and then to place yourself as one of those listening, and to think, what is Jesus asking of me? So take care. We'll see you next time on the Citizen ATX Podcast.